praise you, Lord, I praise you, oh, I praise you, yes, I praise you, how I praise you, my precious Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you, oh, I love you, yes, I love you, Lord, I love you, my lovely Lord. You are worthy, Lord, you're worthy, oh, you're worthy, so worthy, oh, you're worthy, most holy Lord. Genesis 18. And um, we're going to start from verse 8. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted, and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Verse 14 is very important. If you can highlight it or underline it in your Bibles, it will be good. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Verse 15, Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, No, you did laugh. Then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. And as they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families, to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Now when you look at this passage, we see something happening here. Last week we saw how Abraham, when he saw the strangers, how he recognized that these were not just ordinary strangers. His communion, his friendship with God, his familiarity with God made him recognize that these strangers are coming. These are not ordinary strangers. There's something supernatural about it. Abraham was called the friend of God. So just like how we recognize our friends, Abraham recognized when the Lord came to visit him. So he ran to meet with the Lord. He ran and he bowed down. He fell prostrate before them. And what did he do? He said, stay with me. That's what the Lord spoke to us, right? But our prayer time, our personal fellowship with the Lord, how we tell God, Lord, I'm taking my prayer time very seriously because you're coming to meet with me. You value me. Lord, you're coming to meet with me. Stay with me. Ask the Lord to stay with you. And Abraham pleaded with these three men. He said, stay with me. And after he was done asking them to stay, what did he do? He went and he prepared, right? He did what he had to do. He himself ran. He didn't call his servant and say, okay, find uh, you know, the choicest um, calf or whatever. 
He didn't give orders. He himself went and he found the choicest calf. And he did the preparation Then he, with the servants and he did some more. But look at the involvement Abraham had. What he had to do for the visitors that came to him because they were not ordinary visitors. So when it comes to the things of God in our lives, when we are met with an opportunity that God gives to us, we take it. We seize it and we put our whole heart and whole mind and whole strength in doing it. I remember when we used to have our Spanish programs on radio. Um, Brother Melvin and Sister Anna used to come do the translation for the radio programs. And um, how they took the work of God so seriously. They didn't say that it was just any translation we're just doing, you know, I'll do whatever you know, I know and I'm just going to do... They took the dictionary, even though they know Spanish well, even though Sister Anna translates Spanish, you know, at school and all those things. But when it comes to things of God, you take it so seriously. And you look at it, and, and even when they were traveling, they used to be talking about the meanings of the words, and which is the more accurate word, and the diligence they had. And Brother Stanley and Sister Jinsi, even to this day, they fast and pray when they go to the nursing home the previous night. They fast and pray for the minister. We take the work of God very, very seriously. Abraham took the visitors very seriously. He just didn't say, okay, you're here, you know, I'll do something, you know. He put his heart and soul into giving the best for the Almighty God. So he said, I'm going to give the best and let me prepare this and everything. And what did he do? He offered it to God and what did he do? He stayed behind. He watched them eat. He was getting joy out of watching them eat. That's the right thing to do not sitting, oh boy, like they're eating, you know, when am I going to eat? Hope they finish soon and get out so that I can eat. This smells so good, right? A lot of people are like that. A lot of people, when they they come to pray, when they come to pray, you know, I know people, you know, who used to come to Bible studies or different places when we go preach. Their mind will be on food. They'll have food in their backpacks. (laughs) Their mind is on food. We are coming to the presence of God. Your mind is where? On food. When is the meeting going to be over? I'm not even going to wait till I go to the parking lot. Right here I open it. My mind is on food. When we come for fasting prayer, right? We've seen people who come for fasting prayer and even some churches they have fasting prayer. What do they have? Right after fasting prayer is over, it's already planned. They're going to come and fast for two hours. And then what is going to happen after that? A big feast after the fasting. So what are you mainly coming for? To eat. Two hours of not eating? You would have eaten right before that. (laughs) You came here. And so we have to really look at ourselves. What is our motive? When we are going to serve God, where is our heart? Where do we place our affections on? It's so important. And so Abraham was a man who offered his best to God. And he stayed behind. He was watching and he was so happy. How many of us can relate to that? When we do the things of God and we offer that to God and we stay behind and we watch what God does with it. We are so joyful. We're so joyful. We don't get any other, you know, compensation in return. But you see what? Souls being saved. We can know that. You know, even Brother Stanley, Sister Jinsi, when they go to the nursing home, they don't see anything up front. You don't see big salvations taking place right in front. But one thing we know, what are we doing? We're sowing in faith. We're sowing in faith. God is working. God is working. We may not even see. Even Sister Anna and Brother Melbourne, when they did the translation, 
We got some letters, but we didn't get huge amount of letters. Not everybody will write. But what did they do? Still continue, still continue to come and translate. Why? Because we know, we do the job. We offer that as an offering to God. And what do we do? We step back and we see and we enjoy what God is doing through what we have given to God. It's so important to have our hearts right and place it where it should be. Not just wait like I, you want to wait till it's over. In some churches we've seen like people wait before the service is over. Ten minutes before they be what? What are they doing? Seeing time. Why? Why? Because after right after this I'm going to go to a movie. Right after this I have my game. God says where is your heart? When you offer the offering to God. Place it before him. Step back. Step back and wait. See what God is going to do. God did something very glorious here. Once the offering was offered, they ate it. And we saw that last week, when you offer that worship to God, God does something supernatural. We've seen that many times in family prayer. Even last night we had with the children, it was three hours in the presence of God. Usually when it gets past that one hour in worship, that's when like the heaven opens, it gets intensified. A lot of places, what do they do? Three songs, four songs, and their heart is not right, first of all. What happens? Nothing happens. We just come for entertainment and we go back. But when we come into the presence of God, when we just come with a brokenness, and we say, Lord, here, this is what I have, I'm giving you. Lord, take it. Take it. Five loaves and two fish is enough for Jesus. Five loaves and two fish is enough for Jesus. We have to just give it to God. And God takes it and he multiplies it. And so with Abraham, when that food was offered, in our days, when we offer worship to God, see, we're not offering any animal sacrifice. We're not doing anything. But what does God require? He requires a broken and a contrite heart. And he requires a heart filled with gratitude towards the Almighty God. When we come and give the Lord that sacrifice, that meal, what happens? God is pleased. When God is pleased, all kinds of things will happen. All kinds of things will happen. That's what happened over here. After they finish eating, a word is given to them. That Sarah is going to have a child. Many times when God speaks to us, how do we take it? How do we take it? When God says, oh, your situation is going to get well. What do we say? Oh, maybe it can happen to somebody else, not me. It's not going to happen to me. Maybe to somebody else. Why doubt the Almighty God? God says so beautifully at the section to Sarah, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You don't see God really getting angry with Sarah. That's the love of the Lord. He's trying to corner her, trying to make her to face herself. We do that with kids, right? When they try to escape. When they do something that they shouldn't do. And then they try to, you know... Say something like, they never did it. What do we do? We already know. But we ask different questions, try to counter them. Right? To make them confess on their own what they did. Why? Because we want them to cry? No. We want them to face themselves. We want them to come to an understanding that, oh, what I did was not right. That's exactly what God did. As a good father, he started cornering Sarah. He said, why did you laugh? Sarah. She said, oh, no, 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 I didn't laugh. He said, yes, you laughed. No, no, I didn't laugh. God knew already. He could have said something drastic there. He did not do that. You know why? The Lord knew. Abraham never knew of anyone having a child at his age. 
Sarah never knew of anyone having a child at her age. God is merciful. The Bible says God is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, right? And how much merciful he is, how merciful he is, plenteous in mercy. He is compassionate, he is slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. When we think about the mercy of God, that should drive us to trust in God. It should drive us to trust in God. Abraham was an Old Testament character and we, God's people, we are living in the New Testament. We have the Bible as an example. We have the Bible characters, I should say, as examples for us. We see Abraham, Sarah, what God did for them. And we have the Holy Spirit given to us these days. Now, when God does something for somebody, you and I can look at that and say, if he did for them, he can do that for me. Right? We don't look at that and say, oh, he did that for them. He could only do that for them, not for me. We can't get jealous saying, oh, he only did that for them. It's not going to happen for me. These things are written in the Bible for us to lay hold on. First to say, oh Lord, you did for them, you can do it for me, do it for me, do it for me. Lord, you can, do it for me. May our faith grow. God wants our faith to grow. To say, Lord, you did it for Abraham, you did it for Sarah, you can do it for me. And the Lord told Sarah, look after that, look at the mercy of the Lord. He said, by this time, next year. Things are going to be different. It's a prophecy God is speaking to you. If you will believe, you know, for our church family, including our family, by this time next year, things will be different. Things will be different. What are you praying for? What are you looking for? Hold on to that. Don't let unbelief set in. Don't look at your situation and say, Oh, Lord, I've been without a child for 75 years. So when God says something, you laugh. Who is he? He's the creator of heaven and earth. He can do all things. So when we look at our lives and say, Oh Lord, all I see is destruction and damage and doom and gloom. This is what I see, Lord. God says, don't look at that. Look at me. Look at the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The one who makes all things new. If God can resurrect Abraham's body, if God can resurrect Sarah's body, he can touch your body, he can touch my body. If God can resurrect a dead womb, God can resurrect your dead relationship. If God can resurrect a dead body, like Lazarus' body, whatever your circumstances, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, are you willing to believe? Are you willing to say, my God is able to resurrect my dead circumstance? When you look at Lazarus' life, he was dead four days. He was in the tomb. Four days. And Mary said, Lord, it's going to be stinking. Four days. It's going to be stinking. Now that is in the ordinary, normal, physical realm. When everything looks opposite, when everything looks ugly, chaotic, and the doctors say, there's no hope. Everybody says, the counselor can say, there's no hope. Oh, I know of somebody whom everybody, including the pastor you know, of their church, said that this marriage is not going to work out. Forget about this man. This marriage is not going to work out. Forget about your marriage. You know what God did? God did a wonder in their marriage. You know why? The wife didn't give up. We know several of them like that. They did not give up. What did they say? God, you're the maker of heaven and earth. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let go of you unless you heal this. Heal this, Lord. Heal this, Lord. Many times when we start praying, things will start going opposite. 
You know why? The enemy will try to throw his darts at you, hoping that you will give up. When we don't believe, Satan gets the upper hand. When we look at our past, when we keep on thinking about, oh, this happened, this happened, that happened, this happened. Satan says, I'm going to keep you in your gloom city. I'm, keep, I'm going to keep you in your doom city. But we have to say, I don't want to be in a doom city. I, want, I don't want to be in a gloom city. I want to follow the plan that God has for me. No matter how bad it may look. If you look at the Bible, if you look at Abraham and Sarah's life, God came and did a miracle when it was beyond hope. God is speaking to you today. When it looks like it's beyond hope, I tell you, rejoice. When it looks like beyond hope, rejoice. When it looks like it's beyond hope, rejoice. Because that gives the opportunity for God to come and step into your life. As long as you have hope, he doesn't have to do anything. He'll say, okay, let me see, let me wait. When we focus our attention on the Lord and say, Lord... This looks like it's beyond hope. But I know you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you are my God. How many of us can personalize God as my God? How many of us can personalize God as my God? No matter who says what, you are my God. You're not only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you are my God. My God. When it looks beyond hope, I will look at my God and say, Lord, you are able. What you did for Abraham and Sarah, you're able to do it for me. And you can do it for me. Whatever looks dead, God is speaking to you in your life. Whatever looks dead. You may be at a dead end. Everything may look like it is dead and it is gone. And even it may look like it is thinking. It's not an exaggeration. We're not hallucinating. Thinking like it's thinking. Really somebody died. And it's been four days. And really, according to the natural realm, their body should be stinking. But you know what? God bypasses all the rottenness. God bypasses all the stink. God bypasses all the deadness. And he says, even if it is stinking, I'm able to bring the person out hale and healthy with no smell. Isn't it beautiful? Lazarus didn't come out like stinking. <laughs> Lazarus come out. He didn't come out of the bandages stinking. No. When God brings a person out of the deadness. The deadness is gone. Deadness is gone. When life comes, death has no, 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 no right to stay or linger any longer. Cannot. Only one thing needs to happen in our lives. Life has to penetrate. Life has to penetrate. Life has to penetrate. What do we have to do? God is speaking to us this afternoon. We need to speak life. Speak life. No matter how dead our circumstance may look, we have to do exactly what Ezekiel the prophet did. He did according to the word of the Lord. He looked at every dry bone and he spoke to those dry bones. He said, live, live, live. Not because I, Ezekiel, is saying, because God said it. Because God said it. You and I have no power to say anything or bring anything to life. But when God says it, we are saying God said it, so I say it. We are saying because he said it. Now that has power because he said it. He said it. If Jesus says it, you say it. If Jesus says it, you have power. Say it because he said it. His words are power and life. When you speak the words of God, what does it carry? Power and life. When you speak life over your circumstance, no matter how dead it looks, we need to speak consistently life over it. You know, when somebody is gone and they try to jumpstart them, revive them, 
What do you think they do? They try once and then they walk away saying that's gone? No. They try several times. Why? Because they think that they're not going to bring them back? No. They expect a pulse to show up. They expect the heart to beat again. With expectation, what do you call that? What do you call that? It's faith. It's faith. When doctors do that, they expect, they desperately do it, expecting life to return. How much more you and I? That's just mere human hands working. How much more you and I, when you cooperate with the divine and speak what you said, you don't need to do a drama, you don't have to do anything. Sit back and speak. Sit back and speak. God says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. He gives his eternal peace in the midst of chaos. That's the most beautiful thing. So when God works through a situation that is not just looking dead, but it is dead, he does something supernatural. That's what he calls supernatural. God wants to do something supernatural in our lives. We don't want to think that, oh, it's dead, it's gone. I will just live with the deadness. Unless you want to live with the deadness, you don't have to live with the deadness. Unless you say, okay, I'll somehow stay with this, keep this, keep this as a part of my life, then life is not going to come. But when we say, I refuse to live with death, I refuse to accept deadness in my life, in my situation, my finances, in my marriage, whatever it is, in my children's life, I refuse death to stand before me. Because the Lord of resurrection life is living inside me. Imagine if Jesus is living inside you. He should be. If he is really living inside each one of us. You know, when death comes in, stares before us. If Jesus is shining through, who is actually looking at the death? Who is looking at our deadness? Jesus. Jesus at work. Jesus at work. If Jesus is not at work, then we can be doing something. You and I have no power over death. He does. You and I have no power over a dead past. You and I have no power over a dead financial circumstance. You and I have no power over a dead physical condition. You and I have no power over any dead circumstance, period. But when life enters in, when the Lord of life stands before death itself, death cannot stand before life. Death cannot stand before life. Are we willing to face the truth and say, Lord, I want to part with death. That's the first step. I want to part with death. I'm not going to accept death as a part of me. If we accept death as a part of me, death is never going to be a part of you. Death will overtake you until the whole of you becomes completely dead. God is speaking to you. No part of us should have death. You know, sometimes some people... When they start dying, their fingers start dying, hands start dying, legs start dying before they fully die. Don't allow deadness in your life. In any area, God has promised righteousness, life, and peace. God has promised, just like we sang, I have prosperity, power, and victory. Why? Why? Because I'm abiding in the vine which has life. His life is flowing. It's not something that Automatically we get it. We draw from the vine because we are abiding in the vine. When we stay in Jesus Christ, his life flows. When his life flows, what happens? You know what? When you have some sickness in, if the other part of the body is well, 
and your immune is strong, what happens? Whichever part is sick, wherever you have bruised, it starts healing on its own after some time. You know why? The life from here goes over here. Do you have the life of God flowing from the vine into every area? Do not settle for less. Don't settle for less. Don't say, Lord, okay, this area looks like this. So that's how it's going to be. Lord, but I will deal with the rest of the area. Lord, I'm thankful for what you've given. This is like this. That's okay. Don't say it's okay. It's not okay. God wants us to be thankful. But God wants us to be where he wants us to be. Where enjoy everything that God has. Every bit of our being, our family, our health, everything God has given must glorify Jesus. If the enemy is trying to rob anything, we should never just let it go. We should not let it go. We should not let it go. Now with Abraham and Sarah, God did a wonder. I'm going to close in a few minutes. But we want to remember this in front of us. We don't want to be like Sarah. When she was confronted, what did she do? She said, no, I didn't laugh. She was scared. But you know what? Even when you're scared, it's better to be honest. Even when you're scared and you think that you may look like you're dumb. You may look like, oh, you're caught. If God catches you, it's the best hands you can be in. If God catches you, it's the best place you can be in. Where you can say, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all. Lord, whatever area that is dead in my life today. Jesus, take it. Jesus, breathe your life into it. Jesus, breathe your life into it. God needs to breathe his life into us. You know, when God made Adam, how did he give him life? God breathed into his nostril. Do you know what an intimate thing it is? What a beautiful thing it is? How much he loved mankind? He just didn't say, oh, let there be some air. <laughs> let, you know, breath come in. No. He breathed into his nostrils. That's how much he loves you and me. That's how much he loves. God put his breath into you and I. Can you imagine that? He could have done any other way, but he did not do that. He put his breath into us. We cannot take our lives for granted. It is his breath that is causing us to breathe. We must live for God. Every breath that we breathe must be towards the Almighty God. May God bless us, help us to look at our lives and see Sarah's life and help us to ask this question. Lord, when you bring something before me, when you can do something more, am I stopping you? Lord, am I just thinking, oh, that's too much. I don't want to bother with it. Right? A lot of times we say that. It's too much. I don't want to bother with it. But if too much is too good, you should bother with it. If God wants to do something amazing in your life, take it. Take it. Don't say, Lord, I don't want to buy. I'm happy with what I have. If he wants to pour into your bosom. If he wants to do great and mighty things, take it. Don't say, Lord, I'm just satisfied. I want you to sit in a corner. When God wants to do something great and glorious in your life, go for it with all your heart. Go for it with all your mind. Go for it with all your strength. And God will do great and mighty things. Now in Sarah's life, we see the promise that God gave to Abraham and Sarah came to pass. Abraham did what he had to do before God. Sarah had some kind of uh, unbelief at that point, but she definitely broke out of that. She definitely came out of that after that. When she was confronted with the Lord, when she was confronted by the Lord, 
at that place. But God said, Sarah, I am able to bless you with a child. Even though she said no, after a point she knew. This is God talking to me. How can he know what I was thinking in my mind in the kitchen? How did he know? See, she surrendered and she believed. That's why the Bible says Sarah believed. Abraham believed. And God blessed them with a child. God waits for us to grow. God never hurts us. He never crushes us. If the Lord holds us, his grips are good for us. It's gentle. It's firm, but it's gentle. Just like how we do with our children, right? When the little ones try to cross the road, all of a sudden they run. What do we do? We catch their arm. We give a little firm grip. And what do we do? Pull them to our side. We never catch them so hard that their bones break. We don't do that out of anger. No. We catch them to protect them. Bring them to safety. That's what God does. Every tap that we get from God is a good tap. If God does not chasten us, the Bible says we're not his children. So in his loving kindness, God confronts us so gloriously. We have to take it with all our hearts and say, Lord, every confrontation of of yours, I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm going to work on it. And I'm going to come to a place just like how Sarah came to. Next year by this time, I want to see what you have promised in my life. Whatever looks impossible right now. Next year by this time, I should be standing here giving a testimony. Each one of us, each one of us, whatever area looks impossible, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. God is working on your life. God is working on our lives. God says, I want to bring you to that level where you get past that Sarah syndrome. Get past that level and get to where you need to be. Where I can say, ready, go. God is so good. In your life, in my life. Let's take a few moments. Shall we stand up together? Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a few moments before the Lord, Almighty God. Let's look at our own lives. What looks difficult in your life? What do you think is so hard? What do you think is heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching? What is really bothering you? God is speaking to you. What do you think is beyond repair? Whatever it is, God is promising you today. Next year, by this time, your problem will be solved, provided you move out of the face where you are right now, the face of unbelief. Say, my God can do anything. No, nothing is too difficult for the Almighty God. Nothing is too difficult for the Almighty God. That each one of us will stand here and testify next year. Whatever looked impossible, my God made it possible. My God made it possible. Hallelujah. My God made it possible. Because he said, by this time, next year, Sarah shall have her child. Next year, by this time, we, each one of us will have our own testimony. Whichever area we were struggling, whichever area looked dead, looked impossible. We'll come here and say, my Jesus made it possible. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Whatever looks impossible in the eyes of man is possible with the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Whatever looks impossible in the eyes of the man, eyes of men, is possible with Almighty God. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. What is your Red Sea? Hallelujah. 
What is your Red Sea? Hallelujah. What is your Red Sea? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Bring it before the Almighty God. Bring it before the Almighty God right now. Hallelujah. Whatever looks impossible. What is your River Jordan? What is your Jericho? Bring it before the Almighty God. Whatever looks impossible. Tell Jesus, with you all things are possible. Shall we say together? Lord, with you all things are possible. Hallelujah. With you all things are possible. Hallelujah. With you all things are possible. Hallelujah. I will never doubt another second. Hallelujah. With you all things are possible. All things are possible. Hallelujah. All things are possible. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you. Worship you. Whatever looks difficult. Whatever looks impossible. Oh, Father, we give it into your hands. Almighty Jehovah. Hallelujah. You will make it possible. Hallelujah. Oh, peace will return. Life will return. Healing will return. Hallelujah. Whatever the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for our good. Hallelujah. Praise be you have not forgotten I too early that feel the fire of love You're forever love Oh, Father, you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. Hallelujah. All we need to do is keep moving forward. Hallelujah. Keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Oh, the perfecter of our salvation. Hallelujah. Oh, keep marching forward. Hallelujah. We worship you. Hallelujah. For he works everything together for our good and for his glory. Hallelujah. We thank you, Heavenly Father. God does not want us to be stressed over anything. Hallelujah. When you see something going wrong, say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you see something going wrong, say thank you, Jesus. You're working it out for my good and for your glory. Hallelujah. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to become people of faith, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. And we thank you for doing this. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure and declare your name
Yes, I praise you, I praise you. 